You know, that was really interesting. I was really surprised to hear the phrase intelligent design being used mm-hmm. way back in the 1940s, though, because I don't really recall that until more recently. Yeah, I think that's right, Ed. Um, we associate intelligent design, which really is part of a movement uh, with capital I, capital D, uh, with the late 1980s and 1990s. And I think there's a very specific reason for why it starts in the late 1980s, and that takes us back to the courts. The Supreme Court ruled in 1987 that creation science is not, in fact, science. And so it has no place in public school science classrooms. At that point, some anti-evolutionists turned around and said, hey, no problem. We can make this argument without creationism. We're going to challenge Darwinian evolution on scientific grounds. We're fine with the idea of species changing over time. It's just that we think there must be something out there directing that change. Where Darwin saw natural selection, we see an intelligent designer. But that argument didn't fly with the courts either. In 2005, a U.S. district court struck down a law requiring the teaching of intelligent design in public schools in Pennsylvania. The court ruled that intelligent design was a form of creationism and not a legitimate science. You know, and there's so many issues in American history— When this really gets into the schools is when it really hits the ground. And this maybe is the leading example of how an intellectual debate really becomes concrete in our schools. So we wanted to figure out what this science versus religion debate really looked like in that context. And so we called up a science teacher in my old stomping grounds of East Tennessee. My name is Joe Wilkie. I am a science teacher uh, at Ray County High School. I have been here for 27 years. Now, there's a lot of things I don't know about, but I am an expert on East Tennessee geography, and I can tell you that teaching at Ray County High School means that Mr. Wilkie is teaching in none other than Dayton, Tennessee, the site of the infamous Scopes Monkey Trial. We thought it would be interesting to hear from the person who teaches science to the great-grandchildren of the kids in John Scopes' classroom back in 1925. Mr. Wilkie actually runs the Ray County Science Department, so we were a bit surprised to learn that he does not consider evolution to be a valid scientific theory because a theory is something you can actually test with evidence. If you're going to use a scientific term, I would call it the evolution hypothesis. And I'm kind of, in my opinion, I'm kind of stretching it there (laughs) to call it a hypothesis. It's a little bit more like science fiction to me. Well, let's, let's go over to your understanding of what happened then, okay? You know, if one of your students comes to you and says, Mr. Wilkie, okay, what did happen? What would you say? I would have to say no one knows because mm-hmm. science cannot prove that. Science cannot tell you how you got here, the origins of man or any other thing that you want to name. So you, you would emphasize more what we can't know rather than have another explanation. Let's say uh, creationism, as we think about, or intelligent design. Well, uh, I think uh, intelligent design is as viable of an explanation about the way life is as anything that evolution has to offer. I see. There is no way that you can prove that there was an intelligence that caused 
this cell to be here. Mm-hmm. But can you look at the cell right now and see the intricate nature of it and start to appreciate how marvelous and complex, I mean, truly complex, I mean, we still don't understand all the complexity of the cell. So it seems to me that you're not really claiming then the undeniable supremacy of intelligent design over evolutionism. You just say that they're sort of on an equal footing in their inability to prove their observations, and so that they should be basically taught on an equal footing. Is is that your position? Yes, sir. If you're going to teach them, I would say both of them have equal footing. Does the state of Tennessee agree with that? The state standards that we have been given by the legislature state that we are to teach uh, about evolution. And that's what the teachers of Ray County High School do. They uh, teach about evolution. So, you know, the Scopes trial began with, in many ways, testing the power of legislators to determine what was taught and not taught in the schools. Do you feel that uh, we have it about right now in Tennessee, that the scope of what, so to speak, of what you can teach um, is appropriate, or are the legislature still kind of uh, too involved in the educational process? As far as science goes, teach where the evidence leads you. I don't understand why the legislature or the courts should dictate what is being taught in science? You know, if, if a scientist is going to be searching for the truth about something, let it go where the evidence takes him. And, of course, I guess I'm prejudiced there because, you know, I believe that the Bible is truth. And that's because I'm a Christian. And that's why I, let's go where the evidence believes because I believe that the evidence will back up what is actually stated in some way in Scripture. That's what I believe. That's Joseph Wilkie, who's a science teacher at Ray County High School in Dayton, Tennessee. Here's a final note. Since I spoke to Mr. Wilkie, Tennessee passed a law protecting public school teachers who help students, quote, analyze and critique, end quote, the scientific strengths and weaknesses of evolution. Supporters say it promotes critical thinking. Opponents say it falsely implies that there are scientific weaknesses to the theory of evolution, and it opens a door to teaching intelligent design and creationism. And it looks like this controversy isn't going away anytime soon. You know, guys, what strikes me about uh, intelligent design is that it purports to be a scientific explanation. And what I hear in intelligent design is, on the one hand, a gesture toward science because we live in a scientific age in which Mm -hmm. we can manipulate and manage and predict nature. Uh, But there's also an evocation of the kind of absolute fixity and truth that you get in Enlightenment science because the main premise of Enlightenment science is we can unlock the secrets of nature, its lawful operations, if we understand the mechanisms of the intelligent designer, the deist clockmaker god. And it's interesting, too, that Mr. Wilkie then says, let science go wherever it may and let the legislature stay out of it, which is exactly the opposite, of course, of what had happened at his own school 85 years earlier, in which the legislature was intrusive, and it was Clarence Darrow and the voices of modernity that said, stay out of this. Now it's the voices of 
creationism and intelligent design are saying, let science speak to us directly without the intrusion of the state. So, boy, all these different elements keep combining in different forms. It's almost like recombinant DNA, Ed. And on that (laughs) note, it's time for another break. When we get back, we'll return to my discussion with historian Ronald Numbers and look at the creation of creationism. We want to know what you think about all of this. Science! The discussion is underway at BackstoryRadio.org. We'll be back in a minute. 